0: to continue today in our series in letters, called Letters, in the book of Jude. And so you can turn there, it will be in Jude 17. <clears throat> and this will conclude that series. And so I, want, I just want to remind us of what is kind of the thrust of this uh, text and these particular passages. And that is the importance of you and I not merely believing something and believing it our whole life, but intentionally passing it on to someone else, passing on our faith, passing on our trust in Jesus, passing on uh, the truths that we believe, the, 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 the foundational truths that we live by, to, to in, insert them and inject them into those who are around us and into... A generation so that this faith that we hold on to, these truths that we hold on to, will live out, they will outlive us. And think about how amazing these things are because th- this, this truth has been around for centuries and yet it still remains. It still thrives. Christianity though in America has had its uh, stalemate, its kind of Declined in a lot of ways across the world. It's it's bigger than it's ever been. It's growing, constantly expanding, and the Spirit is moving all across all across the gro- globe. And the the church is being uh, passed on. The truth is being passed on. Our faith is being passed on. And part of the reason I think that the American church has come to a halt as far as growth is concerned is because we've become complacent. We've become comfortable. And whether we intend to or not, we are not actively, intentionally focusing on ensuring that this passes on to a new generation. So that one day when we do depart this world, the Truth will continue on. That's the way that the Lord has seen fit to design it to take place. It will never end. It will continue on. It will continue to flourish and grow. The question is, will you and I be in a place where we are the ones in the conduit for it to grow? Are we the ones propelling it on and forward? That's what Jude was trying to do. Is he was concerned about these people coming in to this particular group of Christians that he was writing to, and they had come in with these false teachings, and and they were really focused on uh, sensuality and license to do whatever they wanted to, particularly as as it concerns sexual immorality. But and, and so. Jude is saying, no, that's not how this works. That's not what's to do here. That's not how this is supposed to happen. And so he writes to these Christians that he knows, and he says, hold to the truth. Hold fast to your faith. Don't let anyone rip it from you. Don't let anyone try to take it away. And that's important for us to understand and to realize, and we come to verses 17 through 25, and we understand uh, what we are to actually do. So uh, Jude takes a, a, a great amount of time setting up what the problem is and what's happening and why it's happening and that we should be ready to contend our faith. But then he gives specific instructions in these final verses on what we need to do and how we need to do it. And last week we spoke of the idea of the righteousness of, that we Christians are clothed in, that you and I are clothed in Jesus' righteousness. So that when God looks at you and I as, as Christians, as those who have trusted in Him, those who have, have believed in Him, then God no longer sees Derek's righteousness and the lack thereof or how filthy that is. He now sees bright linens. He sees me clothed in the righteousness of Christ, the perfect righteousness of Christ. And we talked about that last week. And today we'll continue the thought about how you and I can be presented to God ultimately and in the end fully blameless, without blemish, without spot, fully clean, fully righteous in God's eyes, and that you and I can come to Him no matter what we've done, Because that's not what defines us any longer. What defines us is what Jesus has done on our our behalf and for us. And so you and I can be, you and I can approach the throne of God clean. as uh, As that song says, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. You and I can be and we'll see Why in these few verses. And let me just say this. We will be... One day, we must stand before God's throne. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you've trusted Jesus Christ or not, we all will stand before Him. And I hope you understand that. I hope that's something that you realize... We will stand before Him. In fact, Scripture tells us that one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that He is Lord, and some on that day will be agreeing to their own rightful judgment from God. So why don't we beat God to the punch and acknowledge Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords now and submit ourselves to His Lordship now because one day we will have to and jude helps us to see how we can do that would you in the honoring of god's word if you're able would you stand as we read verses 17 and following but you dear friends remember what was predicted by the apostles of our lord jesus christ They told you in the end of time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of His glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Would you be seated? I think we see three things here that you and I must do to contend for our faith, to get to the end of the road of our lives and to stand in confidence before God. No guilt in life, no fear in death, right? As the song we sang just a moment ago says, why, how, how do we find that? How do we discover that? How do we live in that? How do we hold on to that and contend for it? in our lives, that we can stand before the throne of God without blemish, with joy in our hearts. How can we do that? And Jude gives us instructions. Number one, we must keep ourselves in the love of God. He said, he said listen, and he, I love how he says it. He's, he says twice, but you, dear friends. So he took verses 1 through 16 to explain who these people were and what they were like. And he really n- held off nothing for them. These people who had crept in saying that you can do whatever you want. You can live your own way. Live it according to your own desires. And he, he gave them the runaround from Old Testament scripture and, and intertestamental uh, scriptures and apocryphal writings that... This is what happened to those people, and this is what happened to those people, and this is what happened to those people, and that's what these people are like. And then he comes to this point and he says, But you, dear friends, he says it twice, but you, dear friends. So he's making a contrast. These people were living this one way, and you are different. You're different. You and I trust something different. You and I are different than all those around us. Those of us who trust in Christ for our salvation, you and I are different. And you and I also don't need to get caught up in all their division, in all their sinful living. What what Jude is saying is that, listen... They live this way. They're doing all this. It leads to destruction. But you live differently. You walk differently. You get caught up in something different. You see, they were caught up with their own desires, with their own pleasures, with all the things that they wanted, and the way they wanted to live, and tried to put God's stamp of of approval on it. And Jude says that doesn't work. And if you want the approval of God, you got to live in a different way, trusting and being caught up in something completely opposite. You say they were caught up in their way of living, and Jude reminds us don't get caught up in all of that, don't get caught up in their way of living. Don't get caught up in their divisions. Don't get caught up in their sinful lifestyles. And then he says this. He says, this is how what you do. So he tells us what not to do. But then he says, this is what you do, dear friends. Build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit Keep yourselves in the love of God and wait expectantly for Him to deliver His mercy to you once and for all. So he says, Rather, prayerfully stay caught up in the Lord God through the Spirit waiting expectantly for Jesus to come and to present you fully blameless and without blemish. I think this is a a specific, I think this is a very good thing for us to think about in our day and age. We hit on this extensively in the good life series that we just talked about. So we won't go quite into the depth but I do want to remind you that right now there's a lot of things you and I could get caught up in, isn't there? Yeah, there's 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 news stories. There's, you know, I'm on this side. I'm on that side. This is what I think. This is what I. These these different differencing uh, of opinions, right? These divisions. These uh, we can live our life however we want to. We we can consume media constantly, literally never stopping never uh, ceasing to to, to, to chase our own desires and live however we want to, right? Anything that we want to be caught up in is at our fingertips. And you understand that, don't you? And so we have to be intentional in building ourselves up in something else. We have to be intentional in resting in something else, consuming something else. And not getting caught up in all those things, but to be caught up in Jesus. Caught up in his love, caught up in his word, caught up with his people, caught up talking about how great he is and good he is, and allowing that to be the thing that we constantly saturate our lives with and in. To be caught up in Jesus... And to be kept in His love is what keeps us from being caught up in everything else. And so we must do that. We must be enamored with Jesus. We must stay wound up in Him, not everything else. The second thing we see in this passage is that we must have mercy on those wavering. I love this because it'd be real easy after jude had gone to great lengths to talk about how terrible all these people were and what they were doing was to say well just you need to get rid of them get them out of your life go far away from them but what he says instead is be merciful to those who are wavering the ones who are being caught up in this be merciful to them and he says, do, do that so that you might be able to save some of them, to snatch some of them out of that way of living. You see, if we only seclude ourselves away from the rest of the world in fear and in trembling and only waiting for Jesus to come back and we never engage with anyone who's wavering or anyone who's destined for the destruction that Jude mentions... If we only ever hold ourselves away up in our own bunkers, who, who will go to them to rescue them from perishing? Who will go to them to show them the mercy of Christ? Who will go to those people to help them to see there is a better way? There's more to life than what you are experiencing. There's more to life than pursuing your own desires. There's more to life than divisions and difficulties and political agendas and all of these things that we get caught up in. There's more to life than that. And if you and I as Christians are only keeping ourselves away from all of them to protect ourselves or to live our lives in this way and just waiting on Jesus to come back and never engaging people like that, where will they find his mercy? Romans 11 tells us that we are the the ones who deliver the gospel of peace. How will they believe unless someone go? How will they believe unless someone speaks the truth? And so he tells his readers to wait for the mercy of the Lord, but he also tells them to give mercy. He states that if we do that, we might be able to snatch some from the fire. He says the second time to have mercy, but this time he issues a warning. He says to give mercy with fear or caution. So he doesn't want us just saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go engage with all these people and I'm going to live life just like them and with them so that I can share with them about Jesus. No, no, no. He says, Go. Give mercy so that you might be able to snatch them out of destruction that awaits them, but be cautious when you do it. You see, there's, there's several ways of, of, of thinking. Some think, like I've already described, you know what? Jesus is coming back one day. I'm just going to wait until he comes back, and I'm going to keep that away from me, and I'm going to hold up and just read my Bible and keep to myself and keep to my people. And then there's another thought that is, you know, I've got this message. Let me go, and... Let me go to all these places. Let me do everything that they do. And what we see is that there's a reason that Jesus said that you are in the world, but not of the world. We live in the world, and we are here as a, as a messenger of the mercy of Jesus Christ. But we are not meant to be the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. And so we go, we tell, and then we come and retreat away so that we won't be led astray he says he says we don't want to even to get too close to their ways and forget ours and it's this balancing act of in the world but not of it but we should desperately want to rescue people from perishing but we don't want to get caught up in their ways the third thing that we see is that our praiseworthy lord will present us clean we've talked about How worthy of praise He is already. We sang about it that began the service today. And every song pointed to how great and awesome and mighty our Savior is and how worthy of our praise He is. We stay clean because Jesus will keep us clean. I love this. It says, Now to Him... Who is able to protect you from stumbling? You know how you want to know how we keep from stumbling? We stay stay so close to Jesus, He protects us from it. We stay clean because we are so wrapped up in Him. Jesus will protect us from stumbling and He will clothe us in His perfection. How are, you, how are you and I presented, as this scripture tells us, without blemish? Now to Him, verse 24, who is able to protect you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of His glory without blemish. How do we accomplish that? What, how does that happen? Because He clothes us in His perfection. You see, you and I in our own strength, we cannot be without blemish. We will run headlong every day into these other things. Without Jesus, we would live our lives as these others others were challenging and encouraging people to live. Approaching every desire, living every way we would want to and desire to do. Left to ourselves, that's where we would run. I love this song. Uh, uh, come thou found in one verse it says prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave the one I love that hymn writer understood the plight of the human heart is that I know Jesus is the best for me. I know he's the most amazing thing in the world but my heart always and my flesh constantly wants to wander away left to ourselves we are not without blemish Jesus is And his perfection that he clothed us in is our, is how we are without blemish. And then I love that he says, full of joy. Who wouldn't stand before the throne of God without blemish and be a sourpuss, right? That's why, that's why, while Jason will sometimes say, he'll say, hey, aren't you excited about this? And I've heard him say this, and, and, he says, and, and people say, yeah, we are. And he says, well, remind your face that you are, right? Because we should be the people who have the most joy. The most joy. We've been rescued out of destruction by Jesus Christ. We will one day stand before God, complete, without blemish, Perfect in his sight because what Jesus has done, why wouldn't we live our life praising him, glorifying him, worshiping him? Is he worthy? Yes, he is immensely worthy of our praise. Jude closes this passage acknowledging, again, the importance of living our lives praising and glorifying in Jesus. And don't forget, you see, Jude, we talked about this last week, Jude once mocked his own brother, Jesus. He mocked him. He didn't believe, and he mocked him. His life is completely rearranged. The one who once mocked Jesus now urges others to pray, to praise him, with vibrancy and intensity. Jude was like I have tried to describe many times myself. Jude was a beggar who found where the bread is and he's saying to everyone else, come and eat of this wonderful sustenance. Friends, Jesus is greater than you and I could ever imagine. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our dedication. He's worthy for us to be close to and caught up in His love. May we do that. And may we do that as we sing to Him in just a moment. If you need to make any decision or if you need prayer, you come this morning and surrender to Him. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and you join in and worship. Him today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you that, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, you have accomplished our salvation. Lord, you have clothed us in righteousness through your death on the cross and through your righteousness, Lord. And when we believe in you, you replace our unbelief and our sin, you replace it with righteousness and forgiveness. And so, Lord, it's the great exchange. It's it's a really bad deal on your part, but Lord, I'm so thankful that you're willing to take what I had to offer, which was nothing, and replace it with immeasurable riches that are found only in you, God. Stir up our affections for you, Lord. Stir up our hearts to worship you, to praise you, to love you and to live in your love, to keep in your love, as Jude encouraged us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we